Howdy Yokes and happy Bubbles! Welcome to this extra special Sunday brunch edition of Bacon and Eggs where we are joined by none other than world traveler, story diver, Jess. Welcome to the show, Jess. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Jess, we are so, so, so excited to have you on this special LGBTQ Pride Month episode of Bacon and Eggs. Just a special Sunday brunch. We haven't done like a Sunday brunch in like a hundred It's been years. a minute. Yeah, it has yeah. been a while. <laughs> also, I'm here as well. Listeners, what just happened there is Tyler introduced the podcast and I went to say something, but instead I just made a happy face and, <laughs> and like waved my arms back and forth. Um... On this audio-only medium. <laughs> so just so, know that if you're listening to this, Ethan is happy to so see you. Just yeah, just <laughs> let let. I mean, if if you if you're listening to this, just know that I waved to you right at the beginning when Tyler was like, "Hey, hey there." I was like, "Hi," but but with my hand set of my mouth. I didn't wave because I'm rude that way. <laughs> I wasn't so, even waving. I was waving to the listeners. There was there was a whole train of thought that went through my head and just you know took off. Let's go, choo choo, out of the station. Ethan, real quick, I do have like a, a minor toothpaste and orange juice to bring to this episode of Bacon and Eggs Sunday Brunch. Okay, tell me about it. Okay, so it's it's non-Carlin Brothers Coffee. This episode isn't even brought to you by Carlin Brothers Coffee, but you can still use the promo codes. Like, I'm not going to get mad. Um, It's non-Carlin Brothers Coffee. I've been buying... So Emily, my wife, is pregnant and the smell of coffee makes her sick. Like, they, that's a thing, right? Yeah, I so didn't I've know been that, buying, but yeah. Well, certain I've, smells I've make anyway. certain pregnant women feel sick. It's... Oh it's no, I knew that, but it's like if he if he had assumed that he had told me because we're friends, ah. he has not. <laughs> because he doesn't love so, me like that. Oh but but what I can drink is you know those like flavored coffees you can get at like Target and like natural food co-ops and places like that. Yeah. Like you can get like toasted almond macaroon coffee. Now are you talking about like like what are you talking like, about? Like I I, okay, like it's like coffee. Coffee. Like coffee making your coffee machine. So the, the fun colors not to come down to colors, the fun flavors don't make her sick. The fun flavors don't make her sick because when you make it, like this is like a coconut macaroon ground that I'm drinking right now out of my bacon on eggs mug. That was given to us by none other than Rach Bart, I think. Tory Wood. Tory Wood. That's it says right. Park it's City, Utah City. on the back. Yeah. No, it's a Salt Lake City. Oh. The Park Cafe. Anyway. Park Cafe. Here's the problem is they smell amazing. It smells like just the right amount of coffee and just the right amount of toast coconut macaroon they taste like burnt coffee yeah because they're bad coffee it's awful coffee what am i supposed to do about this i read the packaging and i was like okay i usually do a one-to-one little coffee six ounces to scoops with like carlin brothers coffee or even you know with duncan or whatever but then with this it was like use two heaping scoops and i was like oh i have never read this instruction so i tried that yesterday thinking that would solve my problem and all i got was really strong burnt coffee <laughs> So then today I went for, I do, I do four little six ounces cause I'm only one man and that's 24 ounces of coffee. So, but that's where like the, the bottom line on my machine is. That's the minimum I can make. So today I did six and now I have a slightly strong burnt coffee and I just don't know what the solution is here. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong. I'm supposed to be like buying a special liner for flavored coffee, but it's driving me up the freaking wall. Cause every day I smell this delicious coffee and every day it tastes like butts. <laughs> I can mean, I, like, go ahead. Can I make a confession to y'all? What? I'm I'm a 26 year old man. I don't know how to make less than a pot of coffee. <gasps> okay, Ethan. It is a one to one ratio of scoops. No, no, no. You can. I don't. I don't need an explanation. You can tell me this all you want. It doesn't work. 
I'm I'm convinced it does not work. I have never made like a satisfactory half pot of coffee in my life. Really? Yeah, never, never. Wow. You are just burning through Carlin Brothers coffee. Well, no. I drink it all. Yeah. Well, me and my mom do. How how big is your coffee pot? How many? How many? Like uh, twelve like cups. Standard. Standard coffee okay. pot size. Okay, mine's a 24 <laughs> pot. I just have a Mr. Coffee, but like the big one, not the one we had in college. Yeah, that thing was for But sure. like I've just never gotten it right. Anyway, we're not here to talk about coffee. We're here to talk about Australia. <laughs> Australia. So Jess, you are from Australia. I, I, no. I live in Australia. Uh, yeah, I live in Australia. I'm not from Australia. Right, you're from the moment. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 my parents live in Ohio. I live in the moment. <laughs> Just you you are a world traveler. How did you end up in Australia? And additionally, because it's Pride Month, I want you to, to talk about your experience with Pride around the world and, and in the different places you've lived. And just, just I want to just hand you our platform to say as much as you would like about this. You just want my life story. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. Well, in the it is a fascinating story. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Um, well, your first question about how I ended up in Australia. So it's kind of the typical thing. As a little kid, I discovered kangaroos and I was like three, I think. And I was, was determined I was going to move to Australia and I was going to live in Australia. And that was kind of it. That was my dream. And then in 2015, my mom, her husband and I visited Australia and we were here for about a month and I just fell in love. And with each new city we saw, I was falling in love in, even more. And it got to the point that by the time we were on the flight to go back to Europe, I started crying because I felt like I was leaving home. And so I got back to Europe and I went home to my partner, Ben, and I just said, listen, we're moving to Australia. You don't get a say in this. <laughs> <laughs> we're moving um obviously he did have a say in it and we talked about it and it just made sense we wanted to leave europe anyway um and yeah everything just kind of lined up and so we moved out here about 18 months ago now so that's kind of how i ended up in australia the short version <laughs> you have been in australia considerably less time than i would have thought yeah i knew that like you moved there and you and ben moved there and like you were like yeah we're just gonna do this thing now and that's awesome. Like, that is the coolest. Also, the first thing you said in there was like, like everyone, when I was three, I fell in love with kangaroos. And uh, you said like the usual. And in my mind, I was like, the usual? I don't Do people know. just move to Australia? <laughs> no, I just, all three-year-olds like adore new animals they discover. And they're like, that's it. I'm going, to I also wanted to be a dolphin trainer when I was a kid because I love dolphins so much. I just, I don't yeah. know. Well, I still want to be a dolphin trainer. I'm not yeah, a very good swimmer, but like, that still sounds rad. Honestly, I, I still want to. You do. You definitely do. <laughs> I feel. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of like swimming involved in that. Well, it depends if you're doing it in a park or if you're doing it in like a wildlife center, because there's differences in what those jobs entail. Uh, yeah, but I feel like I still ha like even either way, like what what is like a lot of swimming to you uh, is is like a lot of swimming. It's <laughs> <laughs> like enough. an unbelievable <laughs> amount of swimming. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I have been swimming for pretty much my whole life, so. I mean, I could swim for sure, but like, it's not my ideal mode of transportation. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, that's your thing. You're the story diver. You do scuba and you tell stories about unrelated to scuba fiction. So it's yep. like... <laughs> You've got you've got two whole camps here. Yep. You've got two giant demographics. Yeah, I do plan on doing more dive videos once I get back in the water. I definitely want to do like vlogging underwater, that kind of stuff, and do. I was thinking like small like lessons about different marine creatures and that kind of stuff, and incorporate that into the channel. But 
I need to get back in the water to be able to do that. Is there like regulations um, for that? Well, are you not that's kind of a long water, story. I was involved in an accident last time I was teaching that could have turned fatal very quickly. And so I took some time out of the water just for my own mental health. And I injured, I twisted my ankle during the accident. So I needed uh, physical time to recuperate. And then there's just stuff that means that at the moment I'm not allowed in the water. So hopefully, normally in a few years, I'll be back in the water, depending on how long things take to happen. Well, I'm sorry that it is it has come to that. And, and I wish you the best going forward, if that's something you want to choose to proceed with. Obviously, I know that people, uh, you know. It, it, when 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 accidents happen, people's first instinct isn't just usually to like, well, let me go do that again. Yeah, especially this was one of the first courses I was teaching out here. And it was just loads of small things just kind of built up together. So if only half of the stuff had happened, it would have been fine. But it definitely turned. And my boss was very uncaring about it. And she was surprised I wanted time off. Um, so I quit. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah, yeah that's... I'm I'm proud of you for standing up for the way you feel and your mental health and, and doing exactly what you need to do. Yeah, and that ties in a little bit, or quite a bit actually, with uh, LGBTQ, um, because I've had mental health issues pretty much my whole life due to reasons. Um, and so it was always... It yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was always very aware of the mental health aspect of the LGBTQ mm -hmm. community. Um, I actually didn't realize I was not straight, as I called it, um, until I was about 20. Um, so personally for me, it was definitely, I was, I knew I was always into uh, men. So I'm a cisgender girl for anyone who's listening and doesn't know. Um, and I was always in like attracted to men. And then I often developed very close friendships to very specific girls. And I was just sort of like, yeah, I'm just friends with this girl. It's normal that certain girls you're much closer to than other girls. And then one day I was watching an episode of Glee, which was my favorite show at the time. And I realized I kind of had more of a crush on one of the girls than just like, oh, I wish I could be her friend. And that was mm -hmm. quite confusing because obviously I was in a relationship uh, with a guy and I was like, does this mean I'm gay now or am I bi? And what does that mean for my relationship? And what if he doesn't accept it? And what if I lose all my friends? And so I definitely had that moment of like spiraling of like, what's going to happen if this is something? Um, and then I kind of had to reground myself and I used a lot of uh, techniques I, used, I learned in therapy to kind of like learn to reground myself and just say, okay, I'm going to do this one step at a time and kind of figure out who I am before I start talking to people about it. And growing up, I only really knew about like straight, gay or bisexual. And so I thought, well, I'm still attracted to men and apparently I'm attracted to women. So I'm bisexual. So that's fine. I'll just go bye-bye. <laughs> go bye-bye. <laughs> um, I go bye-bye now. <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to leave. leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> what if she just disconnected the dogs? Like, oh. <laughs> I said it. Follow through on this one. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. <laughs> That's my story. <laughs> um, and I was fine with that for a few months. And I was talking to Ben about it. And it didn't seem to bother him. And it didn't bother any of my friends. It was kind of the point also I realized that in my really close group of friends, there's about six of us. None of us mm -hmm. are straight. <laughs> so that was kind of reassuring to find a group of people who had kind of gone through what I was going through at that point. But then I was... I think I was watching like YouTube videos or something and there were people who were non-binary and gender fluid and I realized I was also kind of developing crushes on these people and I was like well I'm not 
bisexual, so now what am I? And again, it was that kind of process of, I kind of started spiraling again. Obviously, I have anxiety, so I'll spiral about everything and anything that happens in my life. Um, but it just took some research to kind of realize that I'm pansexual. Um, and I'm definitely one of those people who needs a label. So some people can just go with, I'm not straight and that's it and they're happy. But some people like me need to have that label. Um, for me, it's mainly so that I can explain who I am to people without having to like go into detail. So if I can just say I'm pansexual, most people will understand that. And if they don't, I can explain what pansexuality means. So it kind of mm -hmm. removes me from the equation. So there's less chance of like being judged or attacked about it, if that makes sense. Right. So, so pansexuality, like this is... And, and forgive my ignorance, but this is something that I feel like that I have never, I don't want to say understood, but never really just like dove into because of, I just, I've never, I guess, needed to because I'm a, you know, cisgendered white trash from, from the United States of America. But anyway, so, so my understanding is like, there's, there's sort of bisexuality, which is sort of the binary way to approach it is like, I'm attracted specifically to men and women who identify as men and women. Um, well, that's kind of the clean way of saying bisexuality. Bisexuality is more, you're attracted to two specific things. So some people are bisexual okay. and they're attracted to cisgendered males and cisgendered females, or they can be attracted to cisgendered males and gender fluids, um, that kind of stuff. So bisexuality, literally it's two sexualities. Um, but most of the time when people say bisexual, they mean attracted to cisgendered men or cisgendered women or both technically. Okay. And then, and then where you're coming from or the way that, that you are is you are attracted to all people. Everyone. <laughs> Everybody. All people like, that you're attracted to. It's like a buffet instead of the you pick two at Applebee's. Yeah. Let's, let's, we are millennials. I don't, I don't want to give Applebee's any free press. There's a you pick two at Panera. <laughs> that's freaking bomb. Okay. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Applebee's actually isn't even the you pick two. It's the two for 20. I got confused. Yeah. Pick two at Panera. But it's like Let's you go got, to the other you know, side the, of that the, mall yeah. parking lot. Either way, the analogy holds. The the, the the bisexuality thing, you know, you pick you pick a, a, a pair off a list. That can be anything off the list, but it's a pair off. Like, okay, that's cool. I, I, I had never... I mean, obviously, again, I'm showing my, my uh, sort of straight privilege in the, like, saying, oh, I've never thought about it like that before, but <laughs> I really hadn't. Um, we did have some, some or at least... Uh, I did had some friends in college who identified as pansexuals and I didn't really know for a long time what that meant. And so uh, my, my former roommate actually uh, was identified that way. And so we had a, a long conversation one day and it's 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 you know, I'm so happy that people like that are able to find identities and find labels and, and find the things they need and, and acceptance for themselves and within the community. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, obviously you have a partner who is supportive and a friend group is supportive. And that's sort of the best thing you can ask for in the situations. Yeah, definitely. And um, something else I kind of want to talk about with LGBTQ is kind of coming out. Um, so first of all, to anyone who is listening who wants to come out or is worried about coming out, a piece of advice I was given is you never come out just once. So we always talk about coming out as the first time you come out, but you come out every single time you tell someone new your sexuality. So right now on the podcast, I just came out to a bunch of people um so remember that if you are going to come out to someone and it doesn't go well you do get a do-over and you can do it as many times as you want and to kind of tie in with what ethan was saying about being accepted i'm really really lucky that i've never had to come out to my dad mainly because my dad's mentality is you are who you are so if i were to tell him hey dad i'm pansexual he'd be like yeah so that that doesn't change anything about you i didn't need that information to see you in a different light 
Um, so I was really, really lucky that I did have that connection and I do have parents who are that open because I know that's not the case for a lot of people. Certainly, yeah. In everybody's journey, I'm not to by any means say that your journey is easy, but um, a lot a lot of people do for sure have those complications, especially with parents. I mean, that's sort of where where a lot of our our sort of stereotypes and everything come from is, you know, the oh my god, what are my parents going to say? And I'm, I'm again very glad that you haven't had to sort of come face to face with the negative end of that. Yeah, I mean, you get enough negativity from strangers online. <laughs> that's definitely the thing. Yeah, but like, but like, people, my, the way I see it is, if you're like a mean person on the internet, and maybe this is this. This is my own maturity. I don't know. Because I know at one point this is very much bothering me. But if you go online and you're just like a rude human being, I just assume that you're like 12. And there are plenty of 12-year-olds with valid opinions, but... There are also plenty of 12-year-olds who still need to develop who they are as a person and really don't know what they're talking about. Oh, for and sure. No, it's it's definitely kind of a comforting thought to remember that like most of these people are just undereducated and kind of take it as an opportunity to educate these people if you have the energy to. Um, right. But like sometimes, you know, you're just having a bad day and then you come home and someone sees, because uh, it's on my Instagram account that I'm pansexual and I'll get people messaging me like, oh, you're pansexual. Does that mean you're into frying? pans and like if you've had a bad day that's just the worst i mean most of the time it makes me laugh but sometimes i'm just so, like really that is a no then correct no i'm not into frying pans okay just want to make sure <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's get into sort of switching gears here let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode now jess if you don't know she has a wonderful youtube channel called story diver that is where jess comes to us from and she makes a lot of videos about a series that we did recently that you guys seem to really like. We didn't do the whole series. We did one one of the films. The worst uh, film. And that is the, oh, brutal. <laughs> I, I think you're right, though. It is by far the worst where. film. I could go on an hour rant about why it's the worst one. I won't, but I could. <laughs> <laughs> but on, on Jess's Patreon very recently, she did, or maybe not recently, I don't know, but she did a video sorting uh, Hunger Games characters into Hogwarts houses. So we're just going to redo that because... Uh, I think it sounds like fun. So Jess is going to be serving as the absolute godlike authority on this, and Ethan and I are going to have to sort them. And Read I that as absolute idiots on this. Right, absolutely. Uh, I, I am reading Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets right now, which I think qualifies me as an expert. Um, and I, I know that I'm an expert because the other day, do you know what day of the year uh, Tom Riddle gets Hagrid uh, expelled? Do you know? No, you? no. June, June 13th. Ooh. They were in school late that year. Ooh, I've only Maybe read Harry it. Potter once, so. I mean, well, you know, you know how like in in high school and stuff, if it snowed a lot, we had to stay extra. Yeah. It, for yeah. them, it was like you know, if there's a basilisk murdering <laughs> students, like you got to stay a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Like you, you took to... a couple days off in there. Yeah, exactly. You have to catch up on classes because it doesn't snow there. Let's be real. Uh, okay, but, like the basilisk killed one kid that nobody liked. Still killed a kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, that is pretty unacceptable. Although we are about to talk about the Hunger Games, so it's all relative. Yeah, we've killed a bunch of kids in the Hunger Games. We've killed, like, at least 60. Oh, I mean, yeah, over I mean, the course of the Hunger Games, a lot more than that. Just in the yeah. series, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely when I was watching the movie last time, and this has sort of never hit me before, just, I, I don't know why I did, but for whatever reason, uh, we were, I was watching the Hunger Games and I was like, Man, they're just about to kill a lot of kids on screen, aren't they? Like, this is just going to actually happen. Okay, okay, whatever. And then they this did is, it. And then they did it. I was like, this is kind of a wild idea, guys. Yeah, it's it's a wild story in that sense, for sure. 
So let's. I, I just want to let you guys. I don't know what's going on with me. I think I'm I'm running on about 14 percent brain capacity right now because I just <laughs> typed in Hogwarts houses into Google. Like I didn't know what they were. Uh, I know what they are. <laughs> Even I know. I do know what they are. I, I, I do, do as well, but that was just like, I was just like, Hogwarts houses. I need Hunger Games characters. You know what? what? It didn't even pull up a list of the well, I've Hogwarts houses. Well, I've got 24 of what I would consider some of the major characters from the Hunger Games series. So if you want, I can just call them out to you guys and let you guys kind of discuss what house you would put them in. And then I would kind of give the house... I put them in and my reasoning behind it. That could work. That works for me. I think you're going to get to a point in this where you are naming characters I don't remember. No, these are major characters. They are. I, uh, no, my, there might be a few. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking over the list, there might be a few. I might have to explain who they are. Okay. Well, if you need to explain them, then maybe Ethan and I aren't qualified to answer about them. <laughs> You know, I'm, you'd remember them. You would definitely remember them, but you yeah, may not recognize yeah, the their things. names. Like, especially in this series, there's a lot of like, you know, random, not random, but there's a lot of like tribute names mm-hmm. that, you know, I, they, they're just lost to the ether. It's like, I can place them in the movie or in the book when things are going on, but it's yeah. like, you know, if, if, if especially well, if let's... it's a, a, a tribute from like the second Hunger Games, the, 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 the one in Catching Fire, I'm just like, mm, well, Finnick O'Dare, got it. Yeah, well, he's on the list. <laughs> You know what drives me crazy about uh, all of these sortings, Ethan? And this is something I want to be cognizant of while we do the sorting. That was feel not like... the word that you just said. <laughs> what? You you tried to say cognizant, but all you said was cognizant. <laughs> yeah, cognizant. 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 I, I want to be cognizant, cognizant of is just because someone's nice doesn't mean they're a Hufflepuff, okay? <laughs> I want to go I want to go like a... Just, oh, I just want to go worry. a layer deeper on these... I definitely took I'm that into account. I'm glad that you feel this way. <laughs> Jess is sitting there like, there's no freaking Hufflepuffs in Pan Am. What are you, crazy? Oh, well, on my list of 24 tributes, there are more Hufflepuffs than you would expect, I think. I'm just going to say this straight out right now. All careers are Slytherins. Well, you have to wait and get there to find out. Well, let's get right. there then. Well, right, now, let's, now, let's now I'm curious. <laughs> well, should we start with Katniss? She's the main character. We know the most about her. I'm sorry, Ka- Katniss. Katniss. Who, who are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. She is a minor character. You're right. <laughs> Katniss is as Gryffindor as they come. Ethan, I could see. I could see a, I I could see like a case for Slytherin. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, go on. Go on. <laughs> I could see a case for Slytherin with Katniss because well, she kills that one dude that kills Prim, not Prim, Rue. Uh, Rue. Yeah, but the like the ambition factor is not really there. Like that's not. I wouldn't say that's her motivation. I, I yeah, I guess I'd probably go. Katniss is a hard one because because <laughs> well, main characters are Gryffindors, like almost always. Well, but it's not even that. It's just like you know, you. It's hard to distill a person, especially a, like a main character who we get the inside the eyes view of. Hard to distill them down to like one sort of aspect, and that's the problem. But yeah, I, I guess I would probably go Gryffindor. I don't think Ravenclaw, and I don't think that girl's not even a little bit of a puff. So the way I did it was loyal, though. That's the the Hufflepuff thing. Right, loyal to her, you know. I mean, there's there's traits in there. I don't know. So the way I worked with Katniss is backwards. So she's not a Ravenclaw, as we said. She's not the most studious. She's not interested in learning things. She's not interested in creativity or like pursuing kind of more mindful things. Um, so she's not a Ravenclaw. She's not a Gryffindor because she's not particularly brave. She does things when she she, ha- she volunteers because she wanted to protect 
prim. It had nothing to do with her own bravery. She didn't volunteer for the fun of it. She only volunteered because she was picturing her sister dying and couldn't live with that. The only times she, she does won. anything uh, out of bravery is because she has given no other choice. But in the first night, she hides up in a tree. Like, she's always hiding in trees or in caves. Um, even after that, she, like, only does things because she's forced to or because the circumstances have put her in such a situation. Half yeah, but the circumstances put her in this tough situation, and then she goes on camera and, like, sticks it to the man. And at the end, instead of shooting snow, she shoots the, the new lady. Coin. Coin. What a weird name. Yeah. Um, there can definitely be an argument for Gryffindor, um, but... Gryffindors tend to not think think things through too much. They're more act first, think later, which is not her case for a lot of things. She does think things through quite a bit. There are definitely times, like everyone, where she does just do something without thinking it through. Um, as for Hufflepuff, she's loyal to a very, very select group of people. Very, very select group, um, which doesn't really work with Hufflepuffs who tend to be loyal kind of with anyone they like. Um, she's definitely hardworking, but again, it's, to me, it doesn't work as a Hufflepuff because she doesn't have that loyalty factor. She's not friendly. She's not charismatic. She's not open to talking to people. She's not good at interacting with other people. She's very, very awkward. And so I put her in Slytherin kind of by elimination because none of the other houses fit her. And she's definitely cunning and she has ambition up to a point. That's kind of one of the reasons that she does kill coin is that she realizes like that's just not going to work. Um, so I personally put her in Slytherin, but I do see the argument for a Gryffindor. Okay, I mean, she's zero. she's Harry Potter, like with the exception yeah. of the of the the thinking things through. But she, Harry also was like the Sorting Cat hat was like. I guess you could be in Gryffindor, right? So that's that's what I'm saying. It's like I I yeah. can definitely see where you're saying either uh you know a Slytherin or Gryffindor. Harry definitely doesn't think things through at all, though. So that's no. sort of where that comes in. <laughs> that is the most frustrating thing about those books. <laughs> He's very much a child in the books. Like, the, he's the definitely way that they a kid. don't put together that the freaking basilisk is a snake immediately after the dueling club. Yeah. It's like, oh, Harry can hear something no one else can, and he can talk to snakes. Well, they are 12. I get it. That's fine. And you're not but- 12. And you've also it. read it like 18 times. I know. I, it actually like blew my mind the first. It took me years of being a fan before I was like, oh, he can talk. Like before I put all of that together on like a literary side of things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's some definite foreshadowing. Also, J.K. Rowling, I mean, uh, not J.K. Rowling, nearly headless Nick breaks the vanishing cabinet in that book. Yes. Yes. Which Very is wild. Good. Just a wild piece of foreshadowing. Harry anyway. also hides in the vanishing cabinet in that book. Yeah. So I, uh, let's, where are we talking about PETA next? Uh, yeah, sure, if Who's you want. Next? Oh, I had Prim next Peter on my Ma- list, but Peter Millard yeah. works. Prim's the only one that's like the right age to be chosen for, for sorting, right? She's 12. Close enough. Well, <laughs> close enough. She's 12 to 14, I guess, throughout the series. Uh, Primrose Everdeen. Primrose Everdeen. I think she's... My, my gut on this one goes to Ravenclaw. Ethan, where does your gut go? I don't honestly think that I like know or remember enough about Prim to make a call <laughs> on this. As, so as, Prim as, is... To like what her character actually like is. So my my here's my thinking, and maybe I'll I'll jog some thoughts for you. Prim is like young, innocent, and she is like an apothecarian, right? She runs the like you know the non scientific medicines. Yeah, she helps her mother with the herbs. She's not technically working in a a poc- I can't say that word. <laughs> my French brain a- wants. To, yeah, my French brain wants to interrupt and say something else instead. Welcome to being bilingual. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
um, yeah, they technically don't own uh, that because it doesn't exist in the scene where there's not enough money. It's They just basically use herbs and natural remedies, but it's not like medicine. Right. Then that, yeah, that would lead me towards towards Ravenclaw. But I can see the argument. There's no Slytherin here. There's no Gryffindor here. Yeah, she's either a, think- a puff or a claw. So I personally... So no, interrupting. Go for it. Uh, and, and I say that because she is very studious. You know, she she's like very into. She gets the goat. She makes the milk. She learns how to make all these recipes with it. Um, and and like course, she definitely was not jazzed to be ta- chosen. Yeah, <laughs> she was like afraid to go, and she wore the little duck thing. Um, <clears throat> so you made a good point with the goat. Um, however, Katniss is the one who got the goat for her and who teaches Prim how to make milk <laughs> and how to like ch- tend that turn that into cheese and butter uh i personally put her in puff because she's got that people relations um she's kind of friends with everyone she's friendly towards everyone she knows what to say when to say it the like her knowledge of medicine is kind of a natural one that she kind of learned through years and years and years of helping her mother um and her kind of motivation in life is to help other people and be with other people and comfort other people which i see more as a puff side and again the hard working of learning uh different medical things and how to treat something when you don't have any medicine is kind of that hard working aspect of the puffs okay i can definitely see that let's go to another main character gail gail did you know this is an interesting fact if you if you bing search uh hunger games characters which i'm i'm in firefox that's why it's not google right now um i thought i was in chrome <laughs> can you never say that string of words ever again <laughs> But if you bing, bing search Hunger Games characters, all that comes up, like there's like a list at the top of a bunch of major characters. And then right below that is a bunch of pictures of Liam Hemsworth as Gail Hawthorne. Is that who that is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I just think that's interesting that, you know, not Jennifer freaking Lawrence is the top. Yeah, but, that's weird. <laughs> the Oscar winner, who is the main character. Uh, anyway, Gail. So Gail has an interesting arc for me. Like early stage Gail is like Katniss and that he's got the hunting thing, the functional relationships, but he's also like he's loyal to his family, but he's also like, you know what? Let's just freaking get out of here, man. Yeah, let's that's just... that's the, my whole thing that throws me off with him is the, the idea of like, you know, let's just dip Katniss. Screw, screw all this. Um, you know, we could just like live in the wood, like we Gucci, like we all good. Like, you know, right. we'll, we we'll be fine off here. of the land, etc., etc. He did want to bring his brothers and sister and mother. And then Katniss said, what about Prim? Prim in the woods. And he goes, yeah, maybe not. So he, he definitely did consider bringing other people and definitely his, his people, his family, his unit. So just throwing that out there. I have this very annoying knowledge of the Hunger Games where I will just quote the movie constantly. Sorry. I think, no, that's fine. And I think, here's what I think of Gale is I think he was saying, I think he's more Slytherin because I think he was saying, we could bring my family, we could bring your family or whatever. I think he was saying that to functionally get what he wants and then would later reveal that it's just going to be the two of them. I don't think he ever planned on bringing the family. Okay. Yeah, I could definitely sort of see that. He's like, because I mean, again, we have to, you know, not, not every hero is a Gryffindor. Also, not every villain is a Slytherin, but also like Slytherins can be good and decent people as well. And I think that's just like a thing that we always have to remind ourselves because, you know, they are very clearly in the the books, like the evil house. Yeah, I'm a Slytherin um, and I'm not evil yet. Right. It's, uh, yeah. Like, well, I mean, <clears throat> and that's the thing with the, that idea didn't really come around until Pottermore for, for good reason. But it's like people started getting sorted into Slytherin and it's just like, wait, I don't want to be a Slytherin. And then, you know, you got you to gotta start thinking about what it really means. And, you know, you can go back to that 
the line from the whichever book it is when uh, whoever says it's a slughorn that's just like, oh, it's McGonagall. It's like Slytherin House needs to decide where its allegiance lies tonight. And it was like, yeah, OK. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would say I would put I would put Gale as a Slytherin, but I could definitely see an argument for for a Gryffindor. Or a puff. Or a puff, yeah. There's he's got a little bit of a mixed tray. The, the loyalty in the family thing does definitely throw some some wrenches in any of the standard archetypes. So I definitely put Gale on Slytherin myself. Slytherins do, from what I've read, tend to got be loyal one. to a certain group of people. Like their friends are their friends, but like to get into that <laughs> group is bloods. very difficult. <laughs> Um, so he's definitely a Slytherin, considering the kind of traps he can create and how he can look at an animal that he's never seen before and be like, oh, you know what, I can make a trap using this and that, and he can immediately make things, which shows that he's very smart, but he uses that to trap animals and later people, so that's kind of the cunning side. He's definitely ambitious. From the moment he found out the 13 had an army, he wanted to be the best soldier. He asked to be part of the Star Squad. He was part of the sharpshooting squad. Like, he's extremely ambitious. Um, so I'd definitely put him in Slytherin, like, without thinking twice. Yeah, and in Slytherin House, a lot of people are stuck on ambition, but Pottermore, well, playbuzz.com, uh... Their description, which I'm sure is lifted from Pottermore, has Southern the House of Cleverness. You have ambition and are very resourceful. So I think that's that's where that's coming from. I'm with that. We have successfully sorted Gail Hawthorne. Next character. Uh, Peter Malak. Peter is a Hufflepuff. No, he's a hu- he's the hu- No, Peter's a Hufflepuff. He's the huffliest puff. No, he's a yes. Ravenclaw. <laughs> he's smart no, because- and he's got the creativity thing. Well, one of you is right, according to me, the all-knowing source of knowledge. Apparently. God herself. <laughs> no, everybody everybody likes Peter. He's got the, the charisma. He's got the 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 like that joie de vie. That that the je ne sais quoi. Uh the, interesting the, the, French. Genesis <laughs> factor. <laughs> yeah, Jenny said what? <laughs> you did what in that cup? <laughs> um and and he uses if it was the same thing we were talking about with with Prim. It's that he has the he has the the studiousness. He has the the creativity and everything. But he uses it in very like um naturalistic and very you know he makes his like rock makeup and stuff like that. And he's hardworking. He's the baker. But creativity tends to be more of a Ravenclaw trait. To be creative, to be artsy, to be able to create something out of very little, is often seen as a Ravenclaw trait. And that with He's very people pleasing, but he's very smart in what he says. So in both the interviews, he manages to drop a bomb that changes absolutely everything. The first one being that he's in love with Katniss, which makes the entirety of the capital suddenly kind of realize there's this amazing love story that's going to happen and they're going to have to watch one of them die and that doesn't seem to bother them. That's a different story. And then in the second one, he says the Katniss is pregnant and that starts an very small but very obvious revolution in the capital that almost finishes the games. So for those reasons, I actually put him in Ravenclaw because he's very, very people-pleasing, but he's very smart in what he says. And he doesn't just say things to help people or to be kind. He says things for a reason and he thinks everything through and the creative side, as I said. But I can definitely see Puff. He's also hot like Cedric Diggory. So... I mean, yeah. But unlike Cedric, he's not dead, so. Yeah, true. (laughs) I mean, if we're going to just start placing people depending on how they look, that's a very different conversation. (laughs) He's also not hot in the movies. Are you kidding? Disagree. 
hard disagree. <laughs> I de- I never understood this whole Josh Hutcherson thing. Oh no, it's not Josh Hutcherson. Josh it, it's it's Peter that I have. Anyway, that's a different conversation entirely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next character. Uh, Hamish Abernathy. Hamish is a Slytherin. I I would tend to agree with that. Hamish Hamish looks out for Hamish for the most part. Uh, he definitely does. So he helps about- them win because it helps him. Yeah. And if and he, he he definitely ends up really liking Katniss, but again that falls into that could fall into loyalty to a small group of people. But he's he's out for number one. Like Hamish wants to survive as long as possible. He obviously won, and he's the only victor ever from District Twelve before Katniss and Peeta, Obviously, there was um, one other one that died. Right? Is that right? Was there not canon? That's uh. There's a lot. Problem with the Hunger Games is there's a lot of fan fictional fan theories that are spread as canon. Um. But from my memory of canon, and I could definitely be wrong, Hamish, I don't know if he was the first from 12, he was the only one left who had one from 12. Gotcha. I I knew that. I knew that he was the only one alive, but I wasn't sure if he was the only one to ever do it. Um, So you're both saying Slytherin, is that right? Yeah, that's what I think. So I personally, and again, just me, I put him in Ravenclaw because he was able to juggle the fact that he was part of the Rebel Alliance while being in the capital, and he played that very well. Um, Also, the way he won his games was incredibly smart. Uh, He knew from the get-go that there must be an end to the arena, and he was like, that's it, I'm going to the end, I'm going to find it, and then once I'm there, I'm going to figure out where I'm going from there. And he won his games by using the force field around the arena as a weapon, even though that's not how it was intended to be used, so he thought that through. And yeah, just juggling the fact that he was part of the Rebel Alliance for so long while also a mentor for the Hunger Games, so going into the capital every year and talking to all these high-ups in the capital without letting anything slip, to me is extremely smart. But again, I can definitely see the argument for Slytherin. Like, a lot of these I was, like, struggling to house them. It took a while to prep this video. <laughs> yeah, but I... <coughs> Hang on, sorry. I definitely get that, but the one of the, the chief things that they always talk about um, with Slytherin is is the idea of, of cunning, which is like a smartness used for sort of personal gain. Yeah. It's like it's it's um It's not just intelligence for like the sake of intelligence. Right. It's not it's not it's not book smart. It's like I hesitate to say street smart, but like you know what There's I mean. No streets I don't know. at Hogwarts. Could... <laughs> <laughs> There's no streets in the arenas. Ah, uh, depends. One of the arenas was in a broken down city. Sorry. <laughs> it's mentioned you know, it's once like... in the first book. Do you know what's scary is, like, obviously the Hunger Games is a terrible, terrible thing that, that President Snow and, and company put together. It uh, wasn't President Snow, it was the president before him. Whatever. <laughs> that president Snow is continuing. But if there were a, like, a film to come out that was like, Haymitch's Hunger Games, I would I would go see it. Haymitch's Hunger Games were amazing, and I'm so annoyed they didn't include the clip of them in the movies. Um, I would 100% go see that. 100%. Even give me like a prequel Hulu series or HBO. Who series. would you want to play a young Woody Harrelson though? I don't know. I'm not very good at actors. Young Woody Harrelson. Just go back in time. <laughs> yeah, Jesse Eisenberg. Drop your, you know, if if you're watching this on YouTube or whatever or wherever you're doing, or if you're in our Discord or our Facebook group, let us know who you would pick to play young Hamish Abernathy. And I am just going to jump in and say there has been some words of a prequel movie series coming out for the Hunger Games. Um, or potentially a prequel book series. Susan Collins is very, very quiet about this kind of stuff, but there's definitely been stuff talked about for a few years now. So just throwing so that out there. So is she the sort of author that like weighs in on anything? No, 
So she believes that her books should be able to stand alone and they shouldn't need um, anything cleared up for them or anything like that. She's definitely one of those kind of people, if someone finds an issue or has a question about the books, she's really, really open to people writing their own fan fictions and doing their own stuff about it. Um, Which is why, as I was saying, there's such a huge fan community and like you can find so much info online that isn't true because it's just fans making things up. But she's definitely like her idea is you write a book and then you leave it at that and it's up to interpretation. What a novel concept. Yeah. Yeah. I have a new favorite author of books I didn't like that much. She has another series if you want. (laughs) Look, I read The Hive by Stephanie Meyer. I'm not interested in this. Okay. (laughs) Or whatever it's called. The, the... The 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 other series. Have you read J.K. Rowling's other books? No. What what is Suzanne Collins' other series? Though I actually am interested. I was just making a joke. Um. Well, I don't remember what it's called, and I know it's in the first Hunger Games book I have because I got the special edition ones, like the name Ooh. of them. But I I it's not in this room, so I can't go get it. But gotcha. Well, I can. I mean, I have the whole internet in front of me. I can figure it out within seconds. Is exactly. It the Underland Chronicles. There you go. Thank you. These actually look extremely interesting, just based exclusively on their cover art. I am immediately drawn in. I have well, that not cover read artist them. did a good job because it's like it's like uh, it's very reminiscent of like old school cover art you'd see on like Journey to the Center of the Earth. Okay, I should read them. I really want to. The Underland Chronicles. Yes, but instead, I'm Gregor just the rereading Overland. The Hunger Games again. It's fine. It's fine. I did that a few weeks ago. This is like the ninth time Five I'm reading them books. now. Suzanne oh, Collins. So these were not... pre-Hunger Games. Yeah. Gotcha. Are they better? I don't know. I haven't no, read them. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, objectively. Yeah, no. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Seeing as the other ones got a huge movie series with an Oscar-winning actress at the front. Yeah, who was not an Oscar-winning actress at the time. No, this was her sort of breakout role, but she did win an Oscar afterwards for one of my favorite films. Ooh. Okay. Well, so let's let's barrel through a few more. Um, so I'm just going to continue in order here. But if there's any other characters you'd be more interested in, just shout them out. Um, but the next one I went over was Effie Trinket, my favorite character. Uh, one of my favorite characters. Effie is, I agree with you there. Effie is one of the most interesting characters. Yeah, for get, sure. I would get a book about Effie alone. Especially in the movies and especially in the first movie. I truly okay. think that she's one of the one of the outstanding performances in, because I, I, I don't love the first movie all that much. I um, hate it, so that's fine. Especially compared <laughs> to the book. Uh, but I, I think she was truly one of the outstanding performances in that movie. Granted, that is this, you know, aside, but uh, I, I just thought that she was wonderfully portrayed. And I would say I'm, I'm leaning toward, toward Puff. Okay, that's what I thought you would say. Okay, I, I think that tells me immediately that I'm wrong. But okay, no, not necessarily. I think there's an argument for main character houses here. I think I don't think Slytherin though. I don't think she's cunning. I don't think she's cunning. I do think she's ambitious, but I also I can definitely see the 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 bravery side of Gryffindor coming through though. I can because she she has this ambition, but in order to have that ambition, she has to be brave enough to like deal with being the District 12 rep for as long as it takes for her to get promoted or whatever. And I think that is like a scary thing. And she just goes in there and she gives it like 110%. So that's where my Gryffindor feelings come from here. But she like, she loves the kids. She does love the kids. 
She oh, doesn't love the kids. She's very good on camera and she likes to she doesn't get attached to Katniss and Peter until the second one where she cries when they when she finds out that they're going to get reaped again. But the first one she's just very much we need to be here on time. Let's go. Let's move. And obviously with children, if you're kind to them, they're more likely to respond to you than if you give them orders. Um but I would not say she cares about the kids. She cares about her job and getting promoted. Like that comes up a lot in the books. Just throwing that out there. Maybe it's time for me to revisit the books. It has been a long time. I literally just read them for the ninth time. But I so. but, but watching my <laughs> so my only really recent experience with with the Hunger Games at all was when we watched the movie to do the episode with Vigard. And I definitely think that movie Effie sells me more on the ideas that on the idea that she actually cares about the kids, maybe even each year, than than would probably be indicated by the books. Yeah, I mean, the first so I'm, I'm, movie is a terrible adaptation of the books. I tend to not use it a lot when I'm thinking about the characters and stuff. It's just not very good. No, I can definitely get. So, so what what do you think it is? Uh, so I put her in Slytherin. Um, okay. because, so as you said, she's ambitious, obviously, as I said, she's desperate to move up in the ranks. She wants to be high up in the capital. She even says to Katniss, uh, during her first games when I think it's when they're on the train, she says to her, Oh, if you do well, um, that will reflect really good on me. And maybe next year I'll get a better district. And then she kind of trots off. So that's all she cares about is how well these kids are going to perform for her. But she's also extremely cunning. Point. During the victory tour that we see in Catching Fire, she realizes something's up in the districts. And so she writes note cards for Katniss and Peter so that they don't say the wrong things. And she gets very worked up that they won't use her cards because I think she realizes that these cards can save them a lot of trouble. And so once they do start using her cards, she's a lot more kind of comfortable in that. And I think that's because she's realized something's up and she knows exactly what to do at this point. So there's like that cunning, smart side. And again, it's protecting her. If her tributes do well, she's more likely to get promoted. And she was really happy that Katniss and Peter did well because that reflected really well on her and she's more likely to get promoted. She was invited to all these big parties. So to me, she's 100% a Slytherin, but a lot of people would say puff for her. Okay. Okay. I'm with it. I'm with it. I feel that. Let's so let's do some let's do some people uh, that probably aren't the the nicest. Let's let's talk about like Snow. Oh, or, like, Snow Seneca. or Seneca. Yep. Um, I mean the. Uh, I just, think the 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 gut reaction with Snow is Slytherin, right? I'm letting Ethan answer. I don't know. So I don't think it's right, but I think it's the gut response. I think the actual response is he sees the Hunger Games as like an art form, and I think he's more claw. I would say, remember how he got to power? That gives us a big insight as to who he is as a person, regardless of the games, which is not totally under his control. He's not the one who instigated them. I would say look at how he came to power and look at how he kept his power for so long. I don't know how he came to power. Ah, well, I'll explain it once Ethan's answered. <laughs> so the question is, do we believe that 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 uh, Snow thinks that the Hunger Games are right? That's sort of where it comes down for me. Do, does he actually believe that this is the right thing to do, like for the country, for the for for everything, or is it just basically him being an opportunist? And that's I where th I think I, he I, drinks the Kool Aid. I think he wants to kill the kids because it keeps the colonies in line. Districts, right? <laughs> See. I had to get that Hamilton quote in there, though. <laughs> Still. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say Slytherin. I don't think, I don't think that he, be he believes in the Hunger Games. So 
looking at how he came to power, we learned through Finnick, and there's loads of other people who kind of confirm this over the series. He, um, as Finnick says, he was a very young man to come to power and a very smart man to keep it. Um, so his way of uh, staying president for so long and even getting to president was he would poison anyone who was against him. Even if they started off on his side and then turned against him, he would poison them. That's why we see him bleeding is he would take the poison with them and then take the like anti-venom. But that wouldn't uh, stop some of the damage the poison would do. And so his kind of way of coming to power was quite ambitious to kill everyone who was against him is is ambitious, I would say. Um, whether he agrees with the Hunger Games or not, I think he agrees that they're very easy way to keep the districts quiet and an easy way to keep the capital happy. And other than that, it doesn't matter to him. So I definitely 100% put him in Slytherin just yeah. purely by how he came to power. Just the fact that he was willing to kill everyone around him, even the people close to him who were his friends. He killed them as soon as they turned on him okay i'm with that i'm with Seneca that crane i need to find him on my list okay yep <laughs> now he does see it as an art form like he doesn't think of it as like killing kids he thinks of it as like i'm painting and these kids happen to be the paint right yeah like like there is no remorse because what he's doing couldn't possibly be wrong like, i'm no an artist his... and my medium is kid murder right <laughs> And there's, there's no part of his brain that's like, there's anything wrong with this. I think that dude's a claw. Okay. Yeah, for for sure. For sure. Right down to the point where he just like, like sort of, I, I don't know. He, yeah, he, I don't think he ever has a second thought about it. And it's, it is not for necessarily per personal gain so much as it is just like, he's the game maker. Like he just enjoys this. So I put him in Slytherin. Because as Ethan, you just said, he's the head game maker. To be head game maker takes a lot of ambition, takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of knowing when to do the right things. Yeah, but when you know to what else back. takes a lot of work is to win which weekly's best smile five times in a row. <laughs> yeah, and Gilderoy Lockhart was a Slytherin. Again, let's talk about this. The only reason he got written into Ravenclaw was because nobody could picture that dude in a dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I maintain, I am a Gilderoy Lockhart truther. That man is as, as Slytherin as they come. I mean, I can stand by that 100%, definitely. Everybody's like, oh, but he's smart. Uh, no, he learned one spell. He's cunning. He knows how to, like, lie right. in a very, like, yeah, good he's way. He's a manipulator. Wow, my brain is just not working anymore. It's late for me, and my brain's decided I'm now going to try French all the time. That should be okay, interesting. We'll do one. we'll do one more then. Well, we never. Oh, okay. So f finish what you were saying about about Seneca. Uh, that that was it. Basically, just being a head oh, okay. game maker just takes a lot of gotcha. ambition okay. and smarts. Okay, give us give us one more, and then we'll wrap up. Can it be Senna? My favorite character. Everyone's favorite character. I know. The only good guy in this whole series. Yeah. Debatable. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> How many kids does he kill? Debatable. Katniss puts an arrow in the neck of a dude. Sin is a Gryffindor. Yeah. Like, he... he Took bold strokes. Yeah. He fell for Katniss immediately, loyal to her, totally willing to just, like, die for it. So, for, for the greater good. So I actually put him... I don't know if you want to discuss more, if you want to know my no, thinking. No, I agree with Ethan. No. I think he's a Gryffindor. Yeah, I want to know, yeah. I put I him in Ravenclaw 
because okay. again we see that he was part of the rebel alliance so there's definitely brains there and i'm not saying gryffindors are dumb but i think that's something kind of to take into account is he was part of the rebel alliance he had already prepared katniss's mockingjay suit before he died and we know he died in catching fire so that had already been planned for a while um he makes really extravagant looking clothing but also very practical clothing and clothing that can do crazy things um so for example um Katniss's dress in Catching Fire that catches fire and becomes a completely different dress. To me, that shows a lot of smarts and creativity. So I put him in Ravenclaw because I just feel like there's so much, he puts so much effort into like his work and learning new things like Katniss's fire suit from the first games during the tribute parade was a brand new thing that he had invented for that games. Um, so he's definitely smart and creative uh, in his field. That is fair. For sure. Um, that being said, Hermione makes Harry and Ron look like Crab and Goyle. Yes. Right. She planned that out way early on. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I get mad Gryffindor energy from this dude. I mean, this is just my sorting. <laughs> Well, yeah, <laughs> Suzanne Collins and Rowling didn't sit down, although I'm sure Rowling asked, to talk about this. I would love to talk to Suzanne Collins. That's the dream, is to be able to interview her. That's the dream. Nothing else in my life is important. <laughs> what house was Moody in? Oh, that's Harry Potter. I don't know that very well. I have no idea. Maybe he didn't go to school. I don't know. I can look it up. There is no canon answer. Oh, well, oh good. We can decide. Hufflepuff. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> there's one thing alistair moody is not he's a hufflepuff with well, a grudge he's loyal ah see see i was right <laughs> yeah but he's the haymitch yeah i think he was probably in gryffindor because he's a main character <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay well let's 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 go ahead and wrap this up this was a fun little exercise yeah i enjoyed this it was definitely thank fun. you so much for joining us jess no worries thank you for having me of course we would love to. And I'm sure that when we eventually get demands enough to come back to the rest of the Hunger Games series, you're the first person on our list. Because this is fascinating. You know so much about this stuff that I have no idea I have about. a crazy superpower I need to tell you guys about. So okay. when I edit my videos, so I put in movie clips uh, in my videos to kind of like back up my points and stuff. I know the movie so well, I can actually just click on a movie randomly and get the clip that I want to the frame, like, systematically. Just by that is insane. It's so scary. It's That's really bonkers. weird. Gauntlet thrown down, Seamus Gorman. Tell us if you can do that with Toy Story and don't lie. <laughs> yeah, I've just Ooh, watched Ethan, those got too much. Do the thing. Do the thing. What thing? The ending thing. Oh, the, in the outro. Okay, cool. Well, thank you for joining us on Bacon and Eggs Sunday Brunch with Story Diver. All of her information is down below in the description. But Jess, do you want to tell us real quick how to find you? Uh, yep. So on YouTube, my channel is Story Diver. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at StoryDiver, and on Instagram, I'm at DiveJess, but I don't really post much on Instagram. That's a shame. You should post pictures of your adorable dog every day on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I probably will. <laughs> All of the days. <laughs> Jess does have the coolest dog, by I do. The way. She is the best. I feel personally attacked, but also that that is true. <laughs> Tyler, you also have the coolest dogs. That's you know true. what's great about dogs? They're all great. They are all the best. Yeah, everybody thinks they have the best dog, and no one's wrong. Exactly. All right, anyway, Jess, thank you so much for having... Nope, nope, we had you on here. <laughs> I'm going to go back to bed. Good plan. I'm going to go to bed, because it is past yeah. my bedtime. Uh...
I went to sleep at four o'clock this morning. Oh god. That's a whole different story. <laughs> oh no. That's, that's okay. Good. We're 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 living. We're thriving over here at Camp <laughs> Ethan. Anyway, uh Jess, thank you so much for potting with us. Tyler, thank you so much for potting with me. Uh this has been Bacon and Egg. I don't know why I'm doing this like smooth jazz NPR <laughs> outro right now. This has been Bacon and Eggs with Story Diver. You put that pop filter back before you say another word, Tyler. <laughs> Do the thing. Okay. How about we talk for ten more minutes? I've been Ethan Edgehill. He's been Tyler Carlin. She over there has been Jess. This has been Bacon and Eggs. And until next time, Arrivederci. Bye. And may the odds be ever in your favor.